first order of operations. You must learn to be present in the moment before you can learn how to manifest future versions of yourself. You must practice the embodiment of the here and the now. And then you can learn how to visualize and paint pictures of what your life could be like, because it's not external. It's internal. You're not envisioning a house and a boat and a car. You're envisioning you on a Tuesday morning as the person who owns a house and boat and a car and what you eat for breakfast today and how that feels and what your skin feels like, how your heart feels beating in your chest, the air in your lungs, your soles of your feet, your hands, your palms and your crown, envisioning that version of you and then melding the two together, right? That can't happen if you don't focus on the present moment first. You must be here. Welcome to the Spiritual Shiftworker Podcast. I'm Lyanne, and I'm so happy that you've pressed play today. This podcast is here to inspire you, but more importantly, to provide you with the tools you may need in order to make a shift in any area of your life. Whether it's a small shift or a big shift, I will be sharing real-life stories from incredible humans who have done both. And of course, as a shift worker, we will navigate all the ups and downs of working shifts, from nutrition to learning how to ditch the overwhelm, to creating more time to do the things that light you up. So grab that Java, sit back, and enjoy. Welcome back, beautiful souls. I am so excited that you have pressed play today. And this episode is special. This episode uh, I recorded with Nicole a while ago, and I am just so damn excited to finally having it drop this week. So let me tell you a little bit about Nicole. She is sassy, and she is a little bit mouthy. And in fact, she is a mouthy bartender from Reno, Nevada. But she has also created a seven-figure business in just 13 months. She repositioned her bartending skill sets and colorful life experience to create a movement. And let me tell you, inside her Facebook group, which has about 20,000, I think now, 20,000 amazing humans, she's changed the game when it comes to marketing. So Nicole stands firmly against pain point tactics and uses her signature strategy of catalyst marketing, marketing to attract her, as we call them, unicorn clients. She helps her clients to align their offers and programs to use their own personal stories, trials, and tribulations to dominate their niches. Nicole's clients have gone on to make five and even six figures a month using her proven marketing system. Let me just tell you, if even if you're not an entrepreneur, I think that you will get so, so much out of this episode because Nicole is, and I think this is what makes uh, her Facebook group She's her platforms all together. She has over a hundred thousand followers. She's authentically real. And, you know, she is building her confidence and she shares the belief in you until you can believe in yourself. And so I have been in Nicole's world for a couple of years and I just, the humans that I have met, the vibe, the support, the lifting up, it is just different from a lot of the online space. And so I think that regardless, again, if you're not building a business, just really listen to what Nicole talks about when we talk about embodiment and how, you know, 
to really become the best version of you, what you need to do. Uh, because I know that we've talked about before on the podcast about manifestation and how it's not just wishing upon a star. Like you've got to embody who it is or what it is that you want out of your life. And Nicole has done that very well. And she has created not only an amazing community, um, you know, and a crazy, amazing life for herself, but just take all that into account and take obviously what you resonate with the most, leave what you don't, but definitely grab your Java, sit back and let's get started. Hey, Nicole. Oh, hey. I'm so happy to be here. Thank you. Thank you so much. Um, I'm really excited to have you here today um, because I've been in your world for, I'd say, almost two years now, although it does sometimes feel like I've known you forever, which I guess that is a really good thing. Um, And what I really love about your online space is that you're so freaking authentic. And I think that's such a breath of fresh air and I know that you talk about this so much in in everything that you do about just being fully yourself um and so that's why I really asked you to be on the podcast today so thank you um because this podcast is about sharing stories about people who've made like little shifts in their lives big shifts in their lives but doing it in such a fully aligned way that you know it's like a whole new world a whole new identity and I do know um obviously a little bit of your background and your story because you share it so openly and that's why I'm like you basically to in my perspective sort of reinvented yourself um in a way but still you're coming back to who you truly are so before we get into all those all the nitty gritty, I'd really love for you to share a little bit about yourself with my listeners and then what you're really excited about right now, currently at this season in your life. Okay. Well, just to give you guys all of the backstory here is that I was a bartender, mouthy bartender turned mouthy millionaire in 13 months. That's kind of the stick on all of these things. Um, but you know, it wasn't just any bartender. Like it was really good at what I did. Um, I was the president of the bartenders guild. I was a high level consultant. I became a consultant that consulted for million and billion dollar companies when I was 24 years old. Um, and I drank like a fish and I was miserable all the time. Um, I had a lot of anxiety, depression. I had postpartum after my daughter. Um, you know, I, I was in a lot, very dark place for like 10 years. Um, I did try and commit suicide twice. Um, I was in abusive relationships. I had all, all of the symptoms, you know, like check all of the boxes of the daddy issues, like just, just put in all of that, that stuff. I mean, it was all there. Right. Um, and you know, I, I was really struggling and it was really suffering a lot. And I made a decision one day where it was one of those micro shifts, those little tiny things where you don't realize how much one decision can change your whole life, right? Like those tiny moments. And I decided, I said, I'm not going to drink for a year. And everybody laughed. (laughs) Like everyone was like, yeah, right. We'll see you in two weeks, bitch. (laughs) But, um, it didn't. And I mean, and I, the kind of the running joke is that I quit drinking out of spite, you know, because everybody said I couldn't do it. Um, but I did, and I didn't drink for a whole year and I expected 
that I was going to take to it like a fish to water. But what happened during that year was that six months into, into not drinking, the bars that I worked for fired me, which is insane because when I was drinking, I was doing terrible things behind those bars. <laughs> terrible. <laughs> but when I was sober, I wasn't, I was really responsible and did all the things. Um, apparently I didn't like that. So I got fired. Um, and it kind of gave me that, that moment, that, that door opening, you know, it's like the doors closes and the window opens kind of feel. Um, and I had that thing of like, what am I going to do next? Like, who, who am I without this? I don't even know. Um, and of course I could have just gotten another bartender job, but I, I felt that air gap where it was like, maybe I could do something different. And so I fell into a Facebook funnel before I knew what a Facebook funnel was, right? I just got sucked into that little vortex as we do. And inside of there, I bought my first online course and I knew nothing about the coaching world. I knew nothing about Facebook groups or any of that shit, nothing. Um, And I got into a Facebook ads program that taught me all about how to run Facebook ads. I did all 90 modules in two weeks. I got 10 high ticket clients in my first six weeks. Um, and I was terrible at running Facebook ads, but I was so good at getting clients. <laughs> and the coach in that program asked me all those questions. Like, how are you doing this? How are you getting all these clients? Like nobody else knows how to do this. And so I showed him and he had me teach the other people inside of his course and they all got clients. And so those little micro, like it's like a series of tiny decisions, right. That lead to this massive change where I started this business and built it up to a million dollars in my first 13 months. Um, you know, and now we're at two and a half million going strong, doing all of the things. And I mean, really what's so exciting about this is that it's just the beginning, like, you know, in bartender land, when I was training bartenders, bartenders who were two and a half years old, like they were babies. Like we made fun of them, right? <laughs> like we didn't even let them like hold the bottles, you know, it was like, they were, they weren't allowed to t- the touch the expensive stuff, you know? Um, and so I'm just getting started. And like, that's what's so exciting about this is that I've moved so quickly, but I have so much more. I have so many more ideas. I have so many more concepts to roll out. It's just limitless. And I'm just barely getting my feet wet. Yeah. I, was, I think your story is so um, riveting because I think it, it comes back to this one decision. And so like when you decided that, was it something to the point where it was just, you couldn't tolerate the person who you become? Like, what was it? Like, was there something that triggered that decision? Something like you said, there's, you know, doing the bad things behind the bar. Was it something that had happened where you're like, holy shit, I cannot live. I just can't tolerate the way I'm living anymore. Like, was there a specific incident? Well, Lianne, we just talked about this, that you push that explicit button, right? <laughs> because this is an explicit story. <laughs> yeah, I will check the box. <laughs> okay, so here's the thing. Um, you know, I, I was drinking aggressively and like, you know, I mean, for a bartender, even aggressively and doing, um, a lot of drugs alongside of that. I mean, Coke, Coke and booze just go hand in hand in the bartender world. And so that's just where I was. Um, and so along with that came a lot of very risky behaviors, right. Of just like putting yourself into dangerous situations, doing bad things, um, with bad people (laughs) and like the adventure that comes with all of those things. So for me, it wasn't like a DUI or like a rock bottom situation or like getting in trouble. I was, I mean, I was constantly in trouble. It was just normal. Right. That was just a Tuesday. (laughs) Tuesday, but I was dating, you know? And so my husband had left me, I was dating aggressively. Um, I was dating for one reason (laughs) and, um, I, I got myself into the situation where I was, I went to this dude's house. Okay. I I never met this person. I don't know this person. I literally went to his house in a long coat with lingerie on. Okay. 
and high heels. <laughs> Fuck me bumps, right? <laughs> okay. And so I walked in and did what you do. And um, after I did what I did, I said the thing that we all say, like, we should get a drink sometime, right? <laughs> you know, not like I meant it, like I didn't mean it, right? Um, and so I said that and he told me, he said, I don't drink. And I was like, what do you mean? Wow. <laughs> like, you're a fuckboy. Like, what do you mean you don't drink? Like, how are you doing this sober? Like, and he was just like, no, I haven't drank in nine, in nine years. I just don't. And I was like blown, like my mind was blown. Like I could not believe, I could not get my head around the fact that he could engage in this kind of behavior without drinking. And like a lot of the reason why I didn't want to quit drinking, cause like I tried to quit drinking a couple of times. Right. But it was so boring. Right. I was like, I'm so boring when I don't drink. And so I couldn't like get it in my head that I could maintain my identity of like adventure and doing all these things if I wasn't drinking all the time with everybody else. But here was this, I mean, great looking dude, like super fun to be around all the things like great in bed. Right. And he didn't drink. And so it clicked something in my head. And when I was driving home from his house, which was about 30 minutes from my house, I was driving over this, like, it was like five in the morning, okay? <laughs> it's like five in the morning, the sun is coming up, right? You feel all the feelings of how awful that feels. Right. And I just had that moment where it, that I just said that thing that we all say, right. I can't, I can't live like this anymore. Mm-hmm. And normally that sent me into the suicide spiral, right? Where it was like going in, like normally that meant, okay, like let's drive the car into the guardrail, right? That's normally what that meant. But for this day, it meant something completely different. Like this was the first time that I ever heard my higher self. The first time that I ever heard that voice come in. And I know it what it is now, but back then I was like, who said that, <laughs> right? But this voice just said, so don't. And those two words changed my life because it had never occurred to me that I could just change, that I just didn't have to do what I did yesterday. Like that had just never occurred, which seems so stupid, but I mean, that's true. Yeah. I love that. Not the whole story. I don't love the whole story, but (laughs) I love what you just said. Like the whole, you didn't have to do what you did yesterday. And I think when people um, get so stuck into identities, right? Where we label ourselves, we put ourselves in those boxes where we can't sit still long enough to maybe hear that voice, that higher self, but also it's like, oh, but but this is just who I am. And so having um, that kind of shock to your system, because it must've been like, shit, man, I don't, I don't have to live like this anymore. What? Like, what the fuck? Because so many people don't think they have a choice right? Yeah. I think that this is just the way my life is. Yeah. I mean, I think that we think we were born into this and that we, you know, because of our parents, because of our socioeconomic development, because of, I don't know, because our hair is brown, right? Like whatever that identity is that you've decided that you are, I am a bartender, I am a firefighter, um, whatever that is of saying I am. When you say I am a firefighter, that means that you do what firefighters do, right? You drive a lifted truck, you have a stupid handlebar mustache, you're five, seven, you look like all of your friends, you drink Bud Light, not Coors Light, right? Like, I am a firefighter. Like those are the things that we say within that identity, but we don't realize that we were the ones that chose that in the first place. And it may seem like somebody chose that for you, but whatever you're telling yourself of like, well, my mom made me, my dad made me be a lawyer, whatever that is. No, you received that information from your father and then decided to comply to it. And then decided to comply to it the day after and the day after that and the day after that. And you can change any of those things 
anytime you want 100% of the time yeah and I love what you just said about like so I mean I'm a police officer and I you know you you get so stuck in that identity um I mean I'm I was until probably a few years ago where it's like okay this isn't this isn't me anymore I'm not like fulfilled this isn't what I want to do anymore and so you start to uh sort of experience uh, experiment with other ways of living and so having that choice and knowing that choice that you have it every day is like literally an awakening right I think that's it's just unbelievable how many people believe that they don't have that choice so growing back to your your childhood and growing up like when you started drinking like were you a teenager was it something like was it just where you were? Like, was that what people did? Is that what all your friends did? I mean, it's what my parents did, you know? Like, I mean, I started drinking when I was 12, maybe earlier. I mean, I remember, I well, earlier, because I remember having wine, like cups of wine at dinner at my grandparents' house. And my grandmother died when I was 10. So, I mean, I must've been eight, right? Eight or nine years old, I remember drinking. Um, my mom is a young mom right? My mom had me when she was 18. And so, you know, I remember being like, you know, at middle school level, maybe even, you know, middle school, early high school, and like her and her friends had Thursday night margarita night, right? Like, and so it was just normal. I started working in a bar when I was 15. I worked at, I worked at a, um, at a Mexican restaurant that was a bar, (laughs) right? Like, that's where I worked. And so I hung out with bartenders when I was 15 years old, like I was hanging out with 22, 26 year old bartenders who fed me booze all the time. And so it was just normal. This was just who I was, right? Like, this is just part of the identity. My parents drank, I drank, I was the, I was the oldest. So it's like, I didn't have an older sibling to, you know, compare any of those things to, I got to make all of those decisions. And really like, it wasn't even that my friends drank like at school, like they started drinking because I drank. Right. Like, so, you know, I started it. I was definitely the bad influence when it came to those things. Definitely the leader. Yeah. <laughs> right. And now, like it or not. Yeah. And now, and I think it's interesting, right? Because you, the leader, the influence, and now seeing what you do, um, and maybe you can just share with the listeners what exactly it is that you do do. And, um, cause I do know, but I'd love for you to share that, but, um, being a leader and knowing like you you were consultant in the bartender world, those skills that you had, and I think this is really important that maybe you can emphasize on, is that people get labeled, they'll put themselves in these boxes where they don't believe that they have skills to do anything else. Um, and so maybe going through that, explaining the skills that you had and how you transferred them into what you're doing now give a little insight to people to say oh well I've got these skills maybe I can do something else yeah I mean one of the things that I discovered um in being a teenager right was that I just didn't do well unless I was the leader, right? Like I had like that best friend pack that like the three of us and it was like straight up out of mean girls, like, and I wasn't Regina George, like my best friend was, right? And so when I was in secondary, I was miserable. Like I hated it. I don't like being in that role. Like for me, being in the leadership role is always what suits me best. Um, It's where I find fulfillment. And so, you know, that leadership skill of knowing what you don't want is just as important as knowing what you do want. And so I knew that I did not want to play second fiddle 
ever again. And I didn't, I never allowed myself into another friendship where I was going to have to be second best to somebody else. I didn't do that ever again. And so I learned that in high school and I took that leadership skill moving it forward. And in bartender land, I was the president, not the vice president, right? I was the president of the bartender's guild and I took that leadership role very seriously. And I built, you know, I built an amazing entity and I was one of the first female presidents. Um, It was predominantly men at that point. Um, Now there's lots of girls, right? But it was that thing where it was pushing forward and moving the needle and like, I'm the kind of person that influences other people. And then, you know, when I was a teenager, that was influencing other people to drink <laughs> and stay out late and get in trouble and sleep with boys, right? Um, <laughs> doing all that stuff. But that is a movement, right? It's like you are creating movement. It's just directed in maybe not the best of ways. And so taking that skill set that, you know, labeled you nefarious or na- labeled you bossy or labeled you aggressive to realize that that nefariousness is actually just ingenuity. So if you flip over nefarious, it's just being, you know, you're inventing things. You're coming up with cool ways to do shit, right? Being bossy is a leadership quality where you are good at delegation. Like you can step into that role and say, flip that bossy coin over. If aggressive is something that people say to you, you're an action taker. And those reframes of words completely change your identity path because neurolinguistic patterning, right? If you say the word, I'm too aggressive, you get meek and you sit back and you hunch your shoulders in and you you say, I don't want to be too aggressive for other people, right? But if you take that reframe and say, I'm not aggressive, I'm an action taker. People are like, oh, <laughs> well, that sounds good, right? It's a really great euphemism. But moving those euphemisms through your head and your body is ultimately what allows you to step into who you really are. And so taking all those skill sets that I learned from being a teenager, from even from growing up in, you know, an abusive household, like all of those skill sets that I learned along the way, choosing abusive men and being in abusive relationships taught me incredible communication skills, right? I definitely know how to articulate a point (laughs) because when you live with a narcissist, you have to get good at that shit, right? Like there's a certain limit to everything. And so I took all of those skill sets that I had. And just because I was a bartender didn't mean that I didn't have other skill sets. I, I mean, the basic level of this is that I taught bartenders how to be really good bartenders, but also how to build up a following using social media, right? And so I taught them what to post and how to post and how, how to create this kind of energy where people will come to their bar. And so then instead of making $30, they make $300 a night, right? And so I taught people to do that for 10 years. And so then when I moved this into online coaching, I took all of those skill sets and moved them over into online coaching, into client attraction. So yes, the strategies of social media and how you build a bar following is the same as how you get clients. If you are a health coach, it's the same exact thing, but also the leadership qualities that I learned along the way is what helped me to build a brand identity an iconic brand that, you know, amplified and scaled to seven figures so quickly. Like I guarantee you, no matter what it is that you do, you have an adjacent skill set that could be repackaged some other way to make more more money, more effectively somewhere else. Like that is always a possibility. Yeah. I think that a lot of people, like I said, don't just don't, they get stuck in the programming of society to say that this is the way they have to do things from the programming of being brought like whatever, however they grew up. Right. Oh, I've got to go to school. I've got to do this. I've got to get the job. I've got to get the pension, which keeps people. And I will speak for myself really fucking safe. Right. It keeps you in that safe zone where and that you don't want to make the move because people are going to criticize people are going to judge you what the hell are you doing leaving a pension what are you doing like doing something so risky it's it's all the bullshit stories that you get from other people but 
I think everybody, like you said, have those extra skills that you can take somewhere else. So I know that like moving into the online space for you, it isn't just about um, like, I know what your program teaches. And I think it is so fucking important because it's not just for entrepreneurs who want to get clients, even though that's what I know that you teach, um, but it's the self-assurance. And so building that up through your skills of how you did that in bartender land, how do you do that in your online program? Like, what is it the, forget it, like the strategy is one thing, like you said, you take the bartender stuff, you do it, health coach can do the same things, but the mindset, the self-assurance, what is it that is so aligned with what you feel inside that you share with others? I mean, I think that we all suffer at the hands of what we perceive other people to think of us, right? It's like, we are naturally herd animals, biologically, we are herd animals. And so we are concerned with the whims of the herd. We want to know what other people think of us. And we often create a projection. We create an idea, a concept in our head of what this person is perceiving of us. It's not even what they think of us. It's what we think they think of us, right? It's totally different. And so I know that this is definitely something that has held me back in my life, right? And it has put me into a state of victimhood, right? Of being a victim of what other people think of me. But the truth of the matter is, is that victimhood is never anybody else's fault. It's mine because I choose to perpetuate that pattern, right? Of being a victim. Just because things happen in our lives doesn't mean we have to claim the identity of a victim. I've been raped at three different ages. Um, my father molested me as a child. I have had my, my son's father died of a heroin overdose. My best friend died in a car accident, right? I have every reason. Both of my parents are addicts. I have every reason in the world to sit down and cry and be a victim. I have every reason in the world, right? And all of those things were very painful and very shitty, and I don't wish them on other people. However, I choose that to be who I am. Those experiences shaped me in a way that no other experience could have done that. Because I was raped at three different ages, I have the capacity to help so many women who have been through that because I do understand. I do have empathy. I do have compassion. I do have literal carnal knowledge of what that felt like. And so I can help women in so many different capacities. So I can choose to believe that this was a victim kind of situation that happened to me, or I can see the serve and the limit. I mean, cer certainly you see the limit, right? <laughs> it's not cool, not fun, right? But there is a serve there is that this intimate knowledge that I have helps me to serve others. And so a big premise of how I help people inside of my program is to understand that the things that happened to you actually happened for you. If you can learn to create this shift inside of your mindset, you can claim neutrality. And here's the thing about changing your identity, right? Is that if you're driving a car, Okay. And I know none of the kids today know how to drive a fucking stick shift. Okay. But if you did know how to drive a stick shift, you would know that you have to push in the clutch, which is an action. You have to apply pressure and push in the clutch to be able to move out of second or second gear and back into neutral and then into third. You don't move from second to third. You move from second to neutral to third by applying pressure, taking action. Right. And so when you have the power to see the serve and the limit, you claim the energy of neutrality. And from neutrality, you can choose to go into third, fourth, fifth gear. You get to choose where you go next 
after you're in neutral. And so building that self-assurance, building that belief in yourself isn't about toxic positivity and fucking confidence. That's bullshit. It's about believing that you are safe to feel any feeling because you have the ability to soothe your distressing emotions through serve and limit and claim the power of neutrality so that you can choose any identity that you want at any time. Mm, Yeah. And I think for me, like meditation does that for me, right? You're bringing yourself into such an awareness. And I know that you do a lot of meditation practices um, with, with the groups that you're with, that you, that you lead, but where you can just see your thoughts as thoughts and, you know, accept them and release them and then bring that neutrality back. They're like, shit, like now I can make a better choice. So I, I think that's such an important thing. And I, but I really like what you just said about confidence because I see so many confidence coaches out there and I don't, and I have, you know, seen what some of them do, but it's like, they never seem to get back on that specific aspect where it's like, just come back to this sort of neutrality where now you can decide. It's all about just promoting. You can be confident. You can do it. And in your experience, that that doesn't work, right? No, it's toxic positivity. You can sit there and tell yourself all day long, all every day, I can do it. I can do it. I can do it. I'm the best. Um, you can do all of those things. But if intrinsically you don't emotionally connect with that identity of being the best and the person who is capable of becoming the person who can do the things to have the results, if you don't intrinsically connect with that, you can say it till you're blue in the face. Affirmations will not change anything in your life because it's your emotional set point. It's your frequency. It's your vibration. It's who you are when nobody's looking that counts. And confidence doesn't teach you that because confidence is a symptom. Okay. Yeah. It's learning to just understand your emotions. And when you just mentioned about your vibration and that sort of let's be real the internet is all abuzz with the woo-woo-ness of manifestation and all the energetics and but just share your experience because you know at the beginning when you explained that drive home that that morning where you're like you heard your higher self and how you've tapped into that because that to me is that energy that other part of us that that really that extension of source, because I believe that that's what we are. How have you since that time really been able to, to, to more tap into that, that side of you, that higher self, what, what tactics and techniques do you use personally? Well, I have a pretty, you know, kind of obscure definition of how frequency works. Um, That is not all that popular (laughs) for the usual for me. I love to hear. (laughs) I want to hear. (laughs) So, you know, when we are talking about frequency and neutrality, okay, so is that neutrality, when we hear this word, we think of like gray, right? It's like that, that's like nothingness, but actually neutrality isn't the absence of emotion or the absence of color. It is the inclusion of all, right? And so the way that we get neutral is not by removing positive and negative. It's about applying positive and negative. It's about all of the feelings. So neutral doesn't mean no feeling. It means all feelings simultaneously. And so your frequency is your capacity to be able to feel feelings. So if you think of like a pipe, right? Like a pipe, like like a hydro pipe that water's going to go through, right? Is that you can have like a two inch pipe that is very small. 
And so all of the water is coming through there and it's just, you can only get so much water through it because it's just a two inch pipe, right? But as you increase your frequency and your vibration, your capacity to feel feelings, that pipe becomes a four inch pipe, becomes a six inch, eight inch. And so now you can push more through it. And so that is your frequency is how much water can be pushed through that pipe based on how big your pipe is. But your pipe delineates from your intention, your ability to feel your feelings. I know as somebody who was numbing out, right, and drinking my face off and getting all of those things, if you're numbing out, if you're in avoidance patterns, if you're in compartmentalization, you have a very small pipe, okay? Your pipe is half an inch and that's all you can take. The second you feel anything, you take a shot, right? It's like, I'm happy, I'll take a shot. I'm pissed off, but take a shot, right? You numb out, you avoid, or you stuff your feelings down deep and never talk about them again. Like when you're in that space, you have a very small capacity for emotion, which means that you have a low frequency. That doesn't mean you're a bad person, okay? I think there's a lot of this like high vibe, low vibe thing where it's like high vibe is good people and low vibe is like bad people. It's like, no, low vibration means there's very little water going through your pipe because you're not allowing it to go. It has nothing to do with you being a good person or a bad person or a successful person or an unsuccessful person. It has to do with your capacity, your willingness to feel your feelings, right? You can increase that. And the more you increase your willingness to feel your feelings, this is where attraction comes from, right? This is where movements come from. This is where impact comes from. Impact frequency is directly correlated to your capacity to feel your emotions. Because the more I can feel my emotions, the more I can express them to you. And so the more you can feel what I'm saying and that vibration comes across differently. And so when we talk about how we get into those different frequencies, it's all about identifying constraints and alleviating them. Thinking about that pipe and saying, why is it only two inches? How can we make it bigger, right? How do we get this to an eight inch pipe, right? <laughs> Story of our lives. It's like, how do we get to eight inches? And that's, that's the goal, right? Is to, to stretch and to be in that space. But that comes from the resistance. And our resistance is our previous scenarios, our limiting beliefs, our confirmation biases that we have of, I am just a bartender. Of, I was born this way. My, my parents made this amount of money. Whatever bullshit story you're telling yourself is a constraint. And so once we can identify a constraint, we can alleviate it by unpacking that limiting belief, asking ourselves what it's really about. Yes, meditation. But also, I think a lot of what Wu misses is logic. We are highly logic logical beings, right? And so when we don't get our logic on board, our emotion is like, yeah, that would be nice, but we're not actually going to do it, right? And so you get into this state of inaction where you know what you should do, but you're not actually doing it. If you know what you should do and you're not actually doing it, it's because your logic isn't on board. So if your logic isn't on board, therefore your emotions can't be on board. And if your emotions are not on board, then you're never going to take action. You need the combination of logic plus emotion in order to take aligned action. And so that's how I help people to get out of their own way is combining those two things. Amazing. Amazing. And I love, right. Because if you can't, I just read something this morning about, right. Like your, your mind is actually the servant, not the master. Right. And you have to take control of, of, of it all. Um, but I like what you just said about high vibe and low vibe people, because you can feel the energy right on those people. When you go in a room, you can tell the people that are, and I'm going to say high vibing quotes, but more energetic, have that pipe is bigger because you want to be attracting, you swarm to them. And then there's the people that you just, when you go in the room or you go in a specific space and you, you just feel like, oh, the, the, the dead energy. So being able to, I love how you put that both, but it's not just, um, you know, got to get that logic around there as well. So 
throughout like the last 13, 16 months for you, other than what you've sort of already explained, where you've, um, you know, made those choices to level up and change, but what beliefs about yourself have you either had to embrace, or maybe there's some as well that you really had to let go of to really step into the authentic Nicole. Like, I know you are, like I said at the beginning, very authentic online. You are like, you say you're just yourself, but what beliefs have you had to embrace or let go of? Well, I don't think that you really can embrace new beliefs until you let go of old ones, right? Is because that's just not, this is not space, right? You've created this amount of space for this amount of beliefs. And so before you really learn how to expand those walls, you have to learn how to swap out the spokes, right? It's, it's an order of operations. You can release those walls. And I have, I've released a lot of them, but before you have the skill set to let go of the wall, you have to learn how to swap out beliefs, Right. And so one of the first belief patterns that I really shifted and like concretely consciously did, right? Because like some of this, you just, you just, you just don't know you're doing it, right? Um, but I was in Bali with my mom and this was right after I got fired from those two bartender jobs, right? So I got on a plane and I went to Bali with my mom, right? Oh, um, and so, everybody, don't we all just jump on a plane to go to Bali? Come on. <laughs> She was already there and I was like, she was there for like a month and like I called her and I was like, I don't know what happened. She's like, just get on a plane and come here. And I was like, okay. So I got on the plane, went to Bali and we did this like really powerful uh, ceremony thing. Like my mom is friends with the Balinese princess because my mom, that's just what she does. Right. So she's friends with the Balinese princess. So they got us into this like amazing like water tower thing that you can't really go into unless you're like important or whatever. So I went into this place, did this, this water ceremony with them. And then um, I was standing on the beach and it was so clear, right? This moment was so clear. I could see, I could feel I was in that space. I'd been sober for six months. Um, You know, I was thinking and feeling and plus like, you know, even you've been drinking for as long as I drinking and then you, they stopped drinking like all of the emotions, like everything that you've bottled up is like <laughs> falling all over the floor all the time. It's a mess, right? <laughs> You're just crying and laughing. And it's like being a teenager with like pre-pubescent, hormones all over again it's hell and so I was standing on this beach and like I noticed this thought pattern right where I constantly like all day every day was telling myself what's the point you're worthless what's the point you're worthless what's the point you're worthless like a pattern just like in like ingrained into my head and I realized I, was like, I can't keep doing this like if I keep doing like that doesn't add up with who I want where I want to go what I want it's, just, it's miserable I don't need to continue to suffer this way And so on that beach, I made that conscious decision um, to let go of the worthlessness. And the worthlessness was so much tethered into that suicidal tendency and all those places. And so it was like releasing it out of my body, out of my mind, out of my soul, out of my patterns, right? And never again for the rest of my life would I ever call myself worthless. And I haven't. I have never told that to myself ever the fuck again, right? So it was the willingness to release the worthlessness that allowed me to get into that neutrality and see how the worthlessness had served me because it did, right? And so seeing that serve and limit around the worthlessness is what allowed me to get into neutral around that feeling to choose the next feeling, which wasn't amazing or elation or fantasticness, right? It was just okay, I couldn't make the jump to something incredible because I wasn't there. I was suicidal. Like, you know, I could only get to a space of choosing to be okay. 
And so it's important to understand that there are steps. You're not going from, you know, suicidal to like, this is the best day ever. Like, that's not the point. That's just manic toxic positivity bullshit. It's just being in the space of saying, I'm going to be okay. And that's all I could muster in that moment. But that okayness, replacing worthlessness with okayness changed my entire fucking life because it taught me that I could change my beliefs. So that was like definitely the first one that was super impactful to get me into a state of mind where I could make different decisions, you know? Yeah. And then three weeks later, three weeks later, in walks my husband, right? It's like that I met Daniel three weeks after I got back from Bali and I let go of that worthlessness. I met Daniel. And that is literally like, I just seriously got chills, Nicole, because it's that attraction right it's like when you have like you said open the pipe everything will just literally you're a magnet for what you are actually your true self is actually worth worth like yeah not worth worthlessness unworthy but i thank you for sharing that story because i think a lot of people don't understand how it actually works in that again going again you you can, I've, you know, people, well, social media, the internet will make you believe that you can go from zero to a hundred, but there's little incremental steps and it's that emotional scale where you can go, like you said, from you're suicidal to I'm going to be okay. And it's that next best feeling. And so what was the next best feeling after okay for you? Well, after I was okay. And then I came home. Right. So like, things are different when you are in Bali. (laughs) Okay. So then like having to come back to my life and that was in shambles, right? Like, I mean, Bali is a beautiful place to be. And then getting back on a plane by myself, flying across the country or across the world and stepping foot back into my house where I was fired. I didn't have a job. I didn't have my identity anymore. You know, I wasn't a bartender. Like I didn't have those things. And, you know, I was divorced and like, I think everything was in shambles and like being in that space of nothingness, right. Was really challenging. And so then I had to uphold that value of being okay. And I had to not just be okay in Bali. Right. I had to learn to be okay in my real life where everything was Tuesdays. Right. I had to be okay on a Tuesday. And so practicing that okayness the next thing that I did was I raised my standards, right? Mm-hmm. Of saying, I will no longer tolerate X, Y, and Z. I am only available for X, Y, and Z. And so for me, this was, I will no longer tolerate people who just are, are, are not good for me, right? Like, I will no longer tolerate the abuse. I will no longer tolerate these dudes. Like I Like, before I left for Bali, I was talking to this dude that was like, just trash. Okay. Just straight trash. You know? And I'm like, what is wrong with me? Like, I do not need to talk to this person. Right. So it was like, no more trash. Okay. Throw it away, throw it away. Just get the hoarder house of these dudes out. Right. So it was like, I stopped talking to that guy. And I was like, no, like I just told him, I was like, I'm not talking to you anymore. Like, this is not worth my time. Right. And so I raised my standards. And when you raise that standard of self-worth of value, and you step into that thing, you attract something better. And so I met Daniel three weeks later, but as you can imagine, I had all sorts of fucked off relationship confirmation biases. And so that was pretty rocky in there. But the next belief of that, which was something that Daniel really helped me to build was that I am enough and not that I am too much and not that I am not enough. Right. I am just enough. 
And so Daniel really helped me to build that belief um, pattern and to positively reinforce it with me, which is when I had my first real experience with like intentional collective energy and being in that space of the collective and understanding that feeling of source, which of course my mother had been modeling for me for years, but I just wasn't willing to receive it yet. Right. And so I was able to receive this from Daniel and to be in that collective energy space where somebody else could help me. I was willing to receive that help. And so that was a reflection of that higher value, that higher standard that I had for myself, that I was worthy of somebody supporting me because I had spent my whole life supporting everyone else. Right. And so that, that worthiness of receiving support and the intention of becoming good enough, which is actually not even a language pattern that I use anymore. Even when I say it, it sounds foreign because it just never crosses my mind. I don't ever, I don't ever consider the fact that I might not be good enough anymore. Just doesn't, it's just not there. Yeah, because you've you've done the work and you've worked through that, and so many people can take this. Um, this episode is going to be mind blowing for a lot of people who have right been stuck in that um, not enoughness. But when you came back and you said, "I'm I'm no longer willing to tolerate this these relationships these men," was there people that you know? You obviously had to leave people behind, and I say that like not in a in a way because that's the way it is like when you level up when you raise the standard when you raise the bar in your life people are not coming with you because they're not at the same level as you and so how did you navigate that because there's that sort of yeah I'm no longer going to tolerate that yet these are my friends so like are they my friends like how did you did you break apart from people did you bring some people with you to the higher level I mean, something that I can tell you in looking back is this, this realization, right, of hindsight, which is one of those things, right, <clears throat> is that I have my core distressing emotion of abandonment, insert daddy issues, et cetera, here, right? But what I know now is that people weren't leaving me. I was changing. And so I was leaving them, right, is that I just wasn't an energetic match for them anymore. So it, it nobody left anybody. We just weren't a match anymore. The end. And so it wasn't this thing that was done to me, right? I created change of frequency. And so, you know, if we're all blue crayons and then all of a sudden I'm red, a red crayon, I don't belong here anymore. Right. And so that lack of belonging didn't have anything to do with the fact that I wasn't good enough or that I wasn't accepted or that I didn't, I wasn't a good enough human to, to be a part of the pack. It's just that this is just not my people. And so like understanding that it wasn't a judgment of them or me, right? It's just a mismatch is what allowed me to let go of those people with grace. And here's the thing, okay? I am not friends with those people anymore, but it's not because we're not friends. It's just because I don't do the things that they do. I don't hang out in the circles that they hang out. But if I want to see any of those people, I know exactly where they are. It is 942 on a Wednesday. They are all at Shay's drinking right now. And if I wanted to go hang out with them, I could. They're there. They're doing exactly the same thing that they were doing before. And so it was okay for me to go do something else because I could come back to them anytime I want. Now, turns out I don't really want to, right? I don't have anything to say to them anymore because we don't have anything in common. So much of our lives have changed. Um, and that's okay. There's an acceptance. There's a willingness in that. There's some people that have 
somewhat come with me, you know, Daniel being the person that really came with me, right? Uh, my mom really came with me. Um, but other than that, you know, my best friend, no, she's still dating that shitbag dude that I want to, you know, take out back and drown. I hate this motherfucker and she won't leave him. She won't. No matter what I do or what I say or how much support I give her, she won't leave this fucking piece of shit. She won't see worth in herself. And no matter what, which is so frustrating and so heart-wrenching for me because she is my best friend and I love her more than anything in the world and I hate watching her fucking suffer. But all of the money in the world can't save her from herself, right? Um, one of my oldest friends, she is actually, she's, uh, I sponsored her in her MMA fight that is tomorrow or Friday. So she's fighting on Friday. And so she's my oldest friend and, um, she has come along with me is that I am her, <laughs> I am her mindset coach for the fights. Right. Um, so that's somebody that has, you know, transcended with it, but overall, you know, overwhelmingly people want to do what they did yesterday. They don't want to change because change is scary. Yeah, I see that so much, um, that mentality, obviously, in where I work and the guys that I work with. And I say guys because 95% of them are men in policing. And um, it is, you can't, yeah, you can't take people if they're not willing to see where, or they have no clarity or whatever it is. You've just got to be accepting of where they are and um, be okay with that. So we've sort of covered like, you know, the shocking, but is there just your ability? I think you've always, you've explained how you're a leader. And I like what you said about, you know, when people call girls bossy, it's like, no, you're a fucking action taker. And I know that that is sort of your tagline, right? Like action takers get to get results. But what is, is there something that's really shocked you about yourself, about how you've been managed to build um, your online space in such a short amount of time? I mean, I know you're determined, you've got the grit, you, you're being authentic, but is there, is there something that you were like, or something that's happening? You're like, holy shit, like I fucking did that. Or is it just all of that encompassing? The fact that you've built this business, like a rocket ship. Well, I mean, I think it's easy to say that the money is shocking, right? And I mean, it is, but you know, what is really shocking is that I am an exuberantly patient person. And I really didn't know that about myself. Right. Like, I mean, I knew that I was determined. I know that I'm a badass. I know I get shit done. Right. Like none of those things are surprising. Like I have always been the top of the class. Like I have always been a performer. I am a high achiever. Right. But what I have never been is patient. And I have so much patience. It is unfucking real. And I can see that reflected through my patience now with my clients. I am so patient with my clients and that is such a shock to me because I was never able to be patient with my consulting clients. I was never able to be patient with my bartenders. I was never able to be patient with, um, you know, any of those people in that kind of capacity of like the people I was working with, I wanted to fucking kill them all. And with my clients, I mean, don't get me wrong. Like sometimes you want to drown your clients. Like, you know, oh, yeah. you have to admit that <laughs> if you can't admit that we know you're a liar. So sometimes. <laughs> You want to, you, sometimes you do want to draw the clients for sure, but my level of patience that I have astounds me. I am so surprised that I can, um, I don't know whether those kinds of storms where people, people are so strange, you know, I mean, they, they sign up, they pay, they do the things, they come to the calls and then they don't want to listen to a fucking word you say, which is 
just, I mean, I mean, I get it. I do the same thing when I buy for my coaches, right? <laughs> resistance, but it is that thing where it's like, people don't want to get out of their own way. And it's really frustrating um, to be the person that sees other people's potential and which has been my story my entire life. I see other people's potential. And so it's really hard for me to watch them not actualize it, especially now that I've actualized mine. But now that I have been in that space of living up to that potential, I can look back at my past self and see how ridiculously stubborn I was, how much of a pain in the ass I was, how much time and energy I wasted doing stupid ass shit. And I have so much empathy for my clients who do the same shit. And so I know, like, even I can believe in them. Like, you know, I mean, I know you probably know Ronnie, but it's like Ronnie, like Ronnie is now closing $5,000 health coach clients all the time. She's kicking ass. She's taking names. She's taking vacations. It's yes. the best thing ever. Right. And I love watching her, but that first six months, I was like, I was so frustrated with her because she has so much, I mean, she's, she's beautiful. I mean, she's a dream. She's a dream of what the health coach should be, right? Every health coach in the world wishes they were Ronnie, right? And it's like, she just wasn't embodying that. She wasn't allowing that space to become that person. And, you know, that was frustrating, but I could see what it turned into, right? Like my vision is so much longer. And so while she couldn't believe that for herself, I could, I could believe it on the days that she couldn't. And so it all caught up. Right. And so now it's like, I believed in her long enough for her to learn how to believe in herself. And that is a sad thing to me because before coaching, I never, I couldn't do that. I wanted, I mean, the baby bartenders, it was just like, what is wrong with you? <laughs> yeah. I, I totally, I, I resonate so much with that at work. Right. Where it's like, I have, again, I, I never thought I'd ever have kids. So, cause I'm like, was like the most impatient purple person. And it's like, fuck that shit. Like if you can't do it right, don't fucking do it at all. And now yeah. I have two boys and I'm like, okay, take a breath and like patience. And I work on that. And my meditation helps me with that on a daily basis. Um, so yeah, I, I think that's great that you've shared that. And yes, Ronnie, I, I just actually saw she did Mexico and I was like, Oh God. Um, but what you just said, said about embodying the fact that she wasn't embodying that version of herself what what is it that if you could give a tip what people how to embody because I think again there's another word embodiment and envision the person that you want to be but you have to get the belief behind that first no like how yeah. to embody that that version of who you want to be you have to believe that you can be that person I think that people get this twisted, right? Is because, because of vision boards, <laughs> people get this fucking twisted. Okay. Um, embodying doesn't mean vision board manifestation, right? That's, that's something that can be a, a, a construment of that, but embodiment is feeling the present moment right now. Right. And so it's saying like, take a breath. Like, can you feel the air in your lungs? Like, can you feel your heart beating in your chest? Can you feel the soles of your feet, the palms of your hands, the crown of your head? Can you feel being you right now in this moment? And then feel an emotion that swells from that. What are you thinking about yourself right now? How do you perceive yourself as a human being, as what you've accomplished for how old you are? And in comparison to what you thought your life was going to be, can you feel that energy? Can you feel every cell in your body, that electrical current inside that like literally zaps your heart to make it take that beat. Can you feel that? Because most people can't, 
And so when you learn how to feel the present moment and to feel the feelings of where you are right now, you can't embody the future if you can't embody the present, right? So it's first order of operations. You must learn to be present in the moment before you can learn how to manifest future versions of yourself. You must practice the embodiment of the here and the now. And then you can learn how to visualize and paint pictures of what your life could be like, because it's not external. It's internal. You're not envisioning a house and a boat and a car. You're envisioning you on a Tuesday morning as the person who owns a house and a boat and a car and what you eat for breakfast today and how that feels and what your skin feels like, how your heart feels beating in your chest, the air in your lungs, your soles of your feet, your hands, your palms, and your crown. Envisioning that version of you and then melding the two together, right? That can't happen if you don't focus on the present moment first, you must be here before you can be there. Oh my God. Preach that because that is the biggest thing that I'm trying to get out into the world is that you have to be where your feet are. And so many people don't want to take the time to sit still long enough to feel that energy that runs through their body that they can connect to and be able to do that. So being able to sit still and embody and be able to vision and yeah, vision boards, that's a whole other, that's a whole other conversation. Um, slapping random words on a piece of paper is not going to do anything for you if you can't embody that burden of you, you know, on that Tuesday morning, not sitting at a bar drinking, but, you know, driving around <laughs> on the, wherever you want to be. So that is, that is so good. So People that are, anyone who's out there who is like edging towards that part where it's like, I can't, I can't tolerate this anymore. I can't, I just can't live like that anymore. And they're not really sure where to start. What is the first, what's the first step? I mean, and we've covered so much here today, but like one thing, is it to get still and to sit still and be with yourself? Or what is it that you would suggest to people? I'd suggest that when you have that feeling, right, where it's like, I can't do this anymore, and you are in that mindset, I want you to ask yourself how many times you've thought that before, okay, and then not changed it, right? And so say you're engaging in a, in a shitty behavior that you know you shouldn't be doing, like sleeping with random dudes, okay? What I suggest for you is to go sleep with one more to lean into it instead of avoiding it instead of trying to shift out of something go do it one more time with intention this time to be aware of how it actually feels to participate in that behavior because when you are aware while you are doing it something inside of you will snap and you will become that version of you that is in the catalyst instead of in the complaining victimhood because while we're saying i can't do this anymore we are in victim and we are believing that life is happening to us. But when we say, you know what? No, I'm going to go, I'm going to go do this. I'm choosing this. I am choosing to go drink again. I am choosing to go fuck this dude, right? I'm choosing to go engage in this shitty, this shitty behavior that I know isn't serving me. I'm choosing to do it. It's not happening to me. I'm choosing it. Go choose it so that you can take radical responsibility for it. Because until you can take radical responsibility for your fucking behaviors, they will not change. Mm. Every, every area of your life, right? And that's what I say. Every day you have a choice to make a new choice. Every fucking day. So yep. I love that. Thank you for that. Um, there's so much more that I would love to chat with you about, but I know that we're getting on to the time. But 
how do you personally find harmony in your life right now? Because I don't personally believe in balance because I feel that that's sort of a gotta get some things gotta drop other times. And yes, there's waves and seasons in our lives, but how do you find the harmony between the kick-ass business, the, the the empire that you're building, husband, your kids? What do you what do you do? How do you find the harmony? Yeah, I'm I'm not big on balance either. <laughs> um, no, for me, this is lack of compartmentalization. Separation is the illusion. And when you can put everything in your life into one bucket, instead of it being, this is my business hat, and this is my wife hat, and this is my mom hat. No, nobody is just one thing, right? Separation is the illusion. We are all many multidimensional beings doing all sorts of different things, having different thoughts and feelings all at the same time. We are complex and trying to simplify ourselves into neat little boxes that society can accept just create suffering. And so for me, harmony isn't this thing of like, okay, you know, making sure that I spend 20 minutes here and 20 minutes there, fuck all that noise, right? It's that owning that embodiment piece of the fact that when I'm running my business, that makes me an amazing wife. When I'm running my business, that is me modeling happiness and fulfillment for my children, right? There is no separation. I don't get into the space of like, oh, I'm running my business. And so I don't have time for my kids. Like my kids are a part of my business, right? And just like being a parent is part of who I am as a coach. I can't separate those things. Like I raised, I've raised kids since I was fucking 19 years old. I've been, I was a mom when I was 19. I can't separate that. So I don't try to, I bring my parenting skills to coaching and I bring my coaching skills to my marriage. All of those things are connected. Separation is the illusion. And when you can get out of the mindset thinking that you need to balance things, you will notice that you already are. Mm, I love that so much. Yeah, I think, and as women, um, you know, we got this label about all these things that we can do and yet we can do a lot of things because we are able to bring, you know, the the way that we are into so many aspects like women in policing it's it's changed policing for sure right we changed because we're different that's pretty much the end of it and that's why we bring so much more to the table at any table um thank you so much nicole and i just if you could share where people can find you and and follow and get all the good stuff from you yeah. So you guys got to join the Facebook group. It's called Unicorn Client Attraction Secrets for High Vibe Wonder Woman. And in my world, Wonder Woman is a mindset, not a gender bias. So all are welcome. Um, you can also check out a podcast if you want more of the F-bombs and um, some more raw, real content for you. It's called Real Unicorns Don't Wear Pants. And that gives you a very in-depth look um, at how this all happened for me step-by-step step, um, in real time. And um, lots of tips and tools and tricks and strategies for how you you can build out successful businesses, how you can make more money, how you can create more fulfillment that leads to the success that you want in your life. And uh, also a little free gift for your audience today is that if you go to nonstopnotifications.com, that will take you to my 100 wonderful ways to get more and better clients, which is exactly how I built all of this million dollar empire. Amazing. And I will put, of course, all of that in the show notes, as everybody knows. But thank you again, Nicole. And um, I just, I love being in your world. So thank you so much. Thanks, Diane. So great to be here. Thank you so much for being here with me today. If you love this episode, make sure you subscribe and share it with someone who you think would love it too. And a five-star review helps get the Spiritual Shipper Group podcast out to those that need it most. 
I can't wait to connect with you online. So make sure you follow me on Facebook at The Spiritual Shift Worker and on Instagram at Lianne McGaughy. It's time to enjoy the shift one breath at a time.